Bonjour, Maker, et bienvenue. Welcome to the next episode of the Paris Lessons. I hope that you're all doing very well. J'espère que vous allez toutes et tous très bien. Today is International Women's Day, what we call in French either La Journée Internationale des Femmes. So that's the more literal translation of International Women's Day but it is also referred to as La Journée Internationale des Droits des Femmes, International Day of Women's Rights, Sunday, March 8th. This day was given that official name and established as an annual international day celebrating women, celebrating women's rights, honoring women, honoring women's rights in 1977 by the United Nations, Les Nations Unies. So I did some research on the history of International Women's Day, and the first sort of recorded event of its type was in 1909 in the, in the United States. It was a national event, and it inspired other events throughout the world. The first, one of the first Journée des Femmes took place in Europe and Belgium in 1972. Simone de Beauvoir was there, along with 8,000 other women. I posted earlier today on Instagram, if you're looking for another French feminist author, check out Antoinette Fouque. It's actually quite difficult to find her writing in, uh, in English. She wrote, there are two sexes, il y a deux sexes, in response to le deuxième sexe, the second sex. Um, she's someone that I, I really admire her writing as I also admire Simone de Beauvoir's writing and, and her work and her ideas. I have a wonderful French documentary uh, that I found online, well, that I ordered online about Antoinette Fouque. So just look her up and see what you can find about her. Her last name is spelled F-O-U-Q. U-E. In this newsletter this weekend, I dedicated it also to the French actress Adèle, who you've heard everyone talking about, Adèle Enel. I think I'm pronouncing her name right. I'm not sure her last name. And what transpired at the French Caesar Awards last weekend and um, as related to the Best Director Award. And this was actually, a, and then the reactions of some French actresses to this whole Me Too movement in France, I feel really, really um, explains and exposes not only a traditional difference between French and American feminism, but the ways in which French feminism is evolving very, very quickly. And it's interesting because Simone de Beauvoir referred to this American attitude of defiance in The Second Sex. I mentioned that I, I wrote a paper on it in 2018 at the Sorbonne. I talked about it at Albertine Books last year in the spring. I met some incredible women who came out for that. If you're one of the women who was there with me listening, merci de tout cœur. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. So do spend some time with the newsletter. I put a lot of... Um, thought and research and time into it, including um, the links to articles where you can find the quotes of the actresses that I mentioned, um, videos, including a video clip of the, the this now famous moment at the César Awards, etc., 
etc. And as always, please, please email me with your thoughts in response. And already I've received some beautiful responses. Someone did write in saying, I really appreciate the philosophical way in which you addressed this topic in which you, um, you know, inspired conversation around it. And I wanted to talk about that today because I think that it's very, very important to empower ourselves with what the French call l'esprit critique. So this could be translated as a critical spirit or a critical mind. If you've taken any of my L'Art de Vivre courses, you know that esprit can be translated both as mind and as spirit en français, in French. So this critical, we'll call it a critical, I actually like critical spirit because for me, spirit can, can evoke feeling as it can also, you know, as it also evokes the mind. And feelings are what makes it very hard, challenging sometimes to, to talk about things that we consider to be political, like what happened at the Caesar Awards. I think that, um, so just to circle back a tiny, just briefly to an earlier podcast episode, someone, I'd answered a question where someone said, you know, what is, what's up with the French? Do they just like to argue? I feel like people are kind of, French people are sort of always challenging, challenging me, challenging my opinions in conversation. Well, this is that esprit critique that they are trained to develop in school through rhetoric, learning how to thoughtfully create an argument based on how they perceive an issue, their feelings surrounding an issue, their experience, their experience related to that perception or those feelings. And also then defend, construct, construct an argument defending their position. I was just at a manifestation, a protest at the Sorbonne on Thursday because as there have been you know, protests for the reform of uh, the retirement system here in France, um, there's now there are now motions in place attempting to reform many things in education that will affect the future of my colleagues at the Sorbonne. So I attended the protest to support them. And one of the things that one of my professors who got up in front of the crowd and spoke talked about was, you know, this this um, remembering the value of l'esprit critique informing this esprit critique and how, you know, that's one of the greatest things that an education can give us as citizens. And I've noticed, I've thought a lot about, you know, why it's seemingly easier to talk about politics in France than it is in the United States. And my philosophy class has definitely helped me to understand this. Uh, one of the main reasons is I think that in the United States, when people are talking politics with their coworkers, with their family, with their friends who have differing points of view, um, or even the way that people understand, try to you know absorb what's happening in politics and process their feelings, the line is very much blurred between liberty and morality. So I just want to give you some terms that will help guide you when it comes to these topics in politics that have to do with, with human rights, with, with women's rights, with, with rights of people that belong to any group to lead a life that fulfills them in a life that doesn't, to, to lead a life in a way that doesn't infringe upon any other people's rights also. 
So, and that's another philosophical topic, this, this issue of, you know, our, ourselves as simply as beings, as individuals, and then ourselves in these different roles that we play, ourselves as part of society. Where's the line drawn between, between what we should be allowed to do to make ourselves happy and what concessions we need to make for the betterment of society, for the betterment of others. So oftentimes I think that, um, morality, morals, and, and freedom are very, are, there's, they're very much blurred in political conversation in the United States. And this is why people can take things so personally, understandably so, and become so angry or become so scared or become so disappointed or feel so misunderstood, no matter what side they're on is because without really having put thought into it, they've confused, um, a freedom issue, an issue of liberty with a moral issue, an issue that has to do with morals or morality. So there are other terms that you can also use or ideas that you can use that we, these are just key elements of philosophy that we talk about all the time when we're looking at something philosophically. You can consider these different terms when you're trying to work through your feelings about a certain political issue or a sociological issue. Um, And then as these terms will help you to better organize your own thoughts and feelings and really help you to become clear on your point of view, not just your point of view, but why you have that point of view, right? Linked to your experience. The more that we do this in a logical way, the more that we are in touch with our thoughts and our feelings, and the more that we are better able to articulate them. And also, I'm not going to say defend them because I'm trying to encourage you in this podcast to, to, actually consider that you don't always have to defend your views, but I'd encourage you to really think about them and spend some time in meditation thinking about them, thinking of the arguments that are for them, and think of ways to support them rather to to defend them. Remember, there's great power in calm and clarity. There is great power in calm and clarity. And philosophy has really helped me to be more clear and to be more calm when it comes to my own political views. If you read the, um, the newsletter this weekend, I mean, that's, that is, these are issues that are very, very, very important to me. Violence against women, um, you know, people not being brought to justice for these these, these terrible acts that they've admitted to committing, people uh, being lauded for their work when they're doing incredible damage in society. Now, that's me sharing my personal views with you, um, clearly. But I was also able to step back and look at the different, um, the sort of the, 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 the pillars on which they rest in order to write that newsletter and present things in a more philosophical way. Par exemple, I talk about the the controversial, which to me, quite frankly, are just completely unacceptable, reactions of actresses like Isabelle Huppert, Catherine Deneuve, Fanny Ardant, Brigitte Bardot. These are women who you know, have enjoyed all of their work over the years and, and admired them in many ways, 
but their points of view when it comes to this, this issue of, you know, we need to separate the man from the work or, or, you know, men should be free to be able to disturb. I mean, this is just, I can rationally understand what their argument is, but personally, I can't support it. But you'll see in that newsletter, I was able to break that down into an issue that circles back to morality and liberty. And their concept of liberty that I wrote in the newsletter is actually their arguments are very loosely related to liberty. You could say, well, no, actually, clearly they're just talking about la liberté. But I would argue that there there are so few specifics in their arguments. They might be using the word liberté. If anything, they're referring to what we call libre arbitre in philosophy, which is which is like ultimate freedom, which is freedom where you're you're free from any kind of constraints. It's a type of freedom that basically says that people can do whatever they want. They can act according to their their volonté, their will. So there's no place for any kind of morality in that definition of freedom. And again, this is me sharing my personal view, but to say that you're une femme libre, a free woman who's free to say whatever she wants, which includes, you know, free to say that you support someone who has done terrible physical and psychological damage to a child, to a female child, that to me is an, is an abuse of this concept of liberty and it's a very, very strange conception of feminism. But I'm able to speak to you this way and with this kind of clarity because I've spent so much time thinking about this and I have a very clear understanding, as I said earlier, of the pillars upon which uh, their arguments rest. So other terms that are really helpful when it comes to understanding, processing our feelings as related to politics so that we can then communicate them more clearly, more calmly, and have a deeper impact in the world. Other, other um, terms include language, right? If you start to sometimes, sometimes something makes us very uncomfortable just by the very language through which it's expressed. You've heard me talk about many times now that that language is actually a tool that's quite limited. And unfortunately, many people don't take the time to really sit in meditation and sift through their feelings and process their feelings and witness their thoughts and take the time, as I'm encouraging you to do now, to really, even if you want, write out your ideas, write out why you have the feelings that you have so that the next time you're at a dinner or a conversation comes up at work around a certain issue, you have a lot of clarity and you have a lot of strength to support your ideas. And always try to, this is what we do in philosophy when we're, when we're creating, when we're constructing our arguments and when we're we are um, constructing our ways of supporting them. You always have to see the weakness in your own argument, which can be a very, very, very challenging thing to do because your first instinct might be maybe that you're wrong or maybe that you've misunderstood something correctly or, or maybe, you know, maybe you're lacking confidence, so maybe you shouldn't speak up. 
And I would say it's the contrary, that just because your argument, you might be able to find weaknesses in your argument, does not believe that your beliefs are false, that does not believe you don't have a right to your feelings, that does not believe your ideas are not intelligent and and uh, ready or have the potential to be expressed clearly. Part of being able to have these really important conversations related to, to rights, to morality, to freedom, to language, part of have, being able to have these conversations is being able to see any weakness in your own argument, being able to predict the counter arguments that people are going to express to you in response. So for example, I shared the counter argument in the newsletter of, of, you know, the argument of, well, the man should be separated from the artist. Well, that problem is that that privileges artists, right? Because we wouldn't say that about the boulanger, which is the, the example that, uh, the French actress gave at Les Molières Awards in 2017. I included a, a clip from that video. Her name is Blanche Gardin. And, uh, and voila. So looking for the weakness in your own arguments so that you can really, really, really strengthen them and solidify them. And also predicting the counter arguments that you are going to receive in return. So in this way, talking about politics or what we would kind of consider maybe arguing in American culture becomes more of a dance of logic and it preserves your personal view and your personal ideas, but it makes the act of talking about politics of debating feel less like in a personal, feel less like a personal attack towards you. And this is a wonderful position to be in as a woman, as a person, as a human, as a member of society, as a whatever role you're filling, whatever you're identifying as within the conversation that you're having. It's also very helpful. I've sort of done this throughout this podcast, but always be very mindful of, of the difference between thoughts and emotions, the difference between established fact, the difference between personal experience, the difference between established fact and the difference and the difference between established fact and opinion, for example, because the more clear that you can be in identifying each of these things, the more solid your argument is going to be. And really the best part of all of this is just the more understanding you will have and it's very, very comforting. I, the amount of confidence that I have now talking about politics has grown so much compared to my confidence doing so a few years ago. And it's because I've spent so much time thinking about these issues that are important to me, processing my feelings, separating my thoughts from my feelings, understanding how my personal experience plays into them, doing research, talking with other people, forming my own arguments, forming ways to support them, predicting counter arguments, researching those counter arguments, really understanding the division between liberty and morals between language and thoughts and feelings, between experience and fact, 
between a, a hypothesis and an opinion. All of these things have helped me to understand in a very deep way why I have the views I have, why other people have different views, and have enabled me to, with a very soft, calm, profound sense of confidence, express them. And this is what I wish for all of you listening, anyone who's written me asking about what's up with the French, why do they like to argue so much? Again, it's not that they like to argue, it's that they have a training in this, they have these esprit critique. They've been trained in rhetoric from a very young age. So they're able to talk about very personal point of views in a, in a cadre, in a framework that's actually very impersonal, which is this framework of logic, of rhetoric. Et voilà, chers amis. And there you go, dear friends. So I wish you a wonderful, wonderful International Women's Day, whatever you're doing today to celebrate, to honor yourself if you're a woman, to honor the women around you. And, and I wish you, I wish all of us strength, calm, the ability to communicate powerfully, and the ability to understand ourselves so that we can really, 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 really bring ourselves out into the world and next to each other. And that's my wish for this international Women's Day 2020. Je vous embrasse très, très fort. I send you a big, big kiss. Et je vous souhaite une très belle semaine. And I wish you a very beautiful week.